We all prayed yesterday. We had a we had a floats come down this this uh, road right here, and it, it was a great time. It was a good day. It was a little hot, but uh, there was a lot of cool stuff going on. And, and the the floats coming down the road in the parade, they represented the sweet life. Uh, one of the floats, you know, it had candy on it, and you know, because candy is sweet, right? It's tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And another float, it, it had a representation of the sweet life, like a white picket fence around it. And um, in the middle of that white picket fence was a fire, uh, a lovely little fire. And there was folks sitting around roasting s'mores. That's the sweet life, you know, in your backyard where it's safe, um, eating sweet things, spending time together. And the float in front of, in front of me as I drove through the parade uh, was a fishing boat. And I could only see the back of it. I thought, boy, well, there's the sweet life right there. And sitting in that boat out on the lake, uh, doing nothing, laying back with your line in the water, just waiting on a bite. That must be the sweet life, relaxing and doing nothing. And then I, I noticed it turned the corner, and it said uh, to be fishers of men on the side of it. Okay, so we have to do some work for sweet life, but... Sweet life. Recently, though, I actually figured out what sweet life is. You know what sweet life? Sweet life is owning a golf cart. <laughs> and I bought one this summer. I bought my first golf cart, and and it is sweet. I mean, well, not the golf the golf cart itself isn't sweet, but owning it is and using it is. Now, I haven't played golf yet. I've never played golf, but I've used my golf cart to check fence, to check the cattle. I've used it to take trash up the drive. It never runs out of gas because it's electric. All i got to do is plug it in every night. In the morning, I get up, and it's ready to go. It takes me everywhere. It's got shade over it all the time. I don't know. I haven't had to get my bald head burnt. You know, I don't have to wear a hat. It's got shade. Um... And, oh, man, I brought it to Colony here yesterday, and it was great because my wife and I used it to run to and fro to the church and to the, to the uh, thrift store and to downtown and to the bank. And by the end of the day, we were uh, had twice as much energy as what we usually do because we were able to ride our golf cart around. Owning a golf cart is, is sweet. All right, enough about the... The golf cart, you know, but if I could say one more thing, golf carts are, are sweet. I like my golf cart, even though even though it's turquoise and green and has a big old heart sticker on the side of it and, and the letters love on it because, um, you know, uh, Arlene owned it before. <laughs> I actually had to train the golf cart to, to run without a dog on a leash beside it. <laughs> I was so used to that. Um, but like I said, life of the golf cart is sweet. Some of you say, preacher, I've never had a golf cart in my life, and I still think life is sweet. Well, I thought that before, too. Before <laughs> Enough about silly golf cart. But you know, how many of us thought we were living the sweet life before we knew the Lord? Think about King Solomon. 
Man, there was no one richer, no one with more material things than him. In his kingdom, there wasn't any person that had more power than King Solomon. He had like 700 wives. Sounds sweet, right? No. <laughs> no, uh, it ain't sweet. Uh, no one can keep that many wives happy. Most of us can't even keep one wife happy. <laughs> Solomon tells us, man. Uh, and here, here's your first clue to living the sweet life. It doesn't come with wealth or power or fame. And Solomon wrote a book about this. It's called Ecclesiastes. He said... And all that stuff that I thought made up the sweet life, it's meaningless, worthless. He says, you can forget all that stuff because it don't gain you nothing. Stuff just doesn't get you anywhere. Now, I also think of a fellow named Zacchaeus. From the New Testament, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a rich man, probably had every material thing that he could want. He probably had a big old fine house, probably had uh, plenty of maids and servants and the best golf cart that money could buy. Maybe a horse cart. But probably uh, he thought he was on the top of the world until one day he climbed up that sycamore fig tree and he seen Jesus. He realized but he didn't know what sweet was until he seen Jesus. It changed his life. Here's your second clue to living the sweet life. People who live sweet lives do sweet things. People who live sweet lives do sweet things. Zacchaeus took all that money that he had wrongly acquired and he paid it back fourfold to those whom he had cheated. Now that's pretty sweet. Especially when Jesus told him right after he did that. Salvation has come to this home today. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Sometimes we don't know how lost we are until we have been found. You know who else I think about when I think of living the sweet life? I think of Moses. Moses, he was raised up in Pharaoh's household, and he had it all. He was royalty. But Hebrews chapter 11, it says that when Moses grew up, he refused to be called Pharaoh's son of Pharaoh's daughter because of his faith. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own all the treasures of Egypt for he was looking ahead to that great reward. Is it possible that you are already living the sweet life and you don't even know it. Here's what the Apostle Paul says 
I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is full, full stomach or empty, with a plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything. You notice, you notice the word everything there? Everything um, through Christ that Christ gives us, everything comes in relation to the word before in that verse that is, the word is content. Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have, so Christ, through his strength, will give me everything, or I can do everything through Christ. Oh, if we try to do it on our own, we can't, we can't do everything. There's a whole lot of things that won't work on your own. And I'm willing to bet you that if you can do it on your own, without Jesus, it ain't good at all. It ain't, ain't sweet. So our third clue today is a sweet life. The clue to a sweet life is being content. Moses, he was content to share the oppression of God's people because it was the right thing to do. It's better to suffer for Christ than to have all the treasures of the world. Moses was looking ahead to his great reward in heaven. And my brothers and sisters, we should be looking forward to that same great reward. We should be so focused on how good that reward in heaven is going to be that whatever happens here in this world, we can be content because Christ gives us strength. Let's review these uh, three clues. Here's, here's what we learned from Solomon. That we can forget about all the stuff. Because they don't gain you nothing. And here's what we can learn from Zacchaeus. That people who are living a sweet life do sweet things. Like Paying back fourfold, and Jesus says, Salvation comes to your home because He has come to save the, the lost. We learn from Saul, from Moses, that the clue to a sweet life is being content. Being content and not wanting everything that we don't have, but being content with what we do have. Now those were some clues, clues on how to live the sweet life. But if you're like me, I don't want clues. I, I don't want clues. If you're like me, you want solid steps. Oh, you know why men don't read instructions? Because you've got to read them. <laughs> oh, it's not that we don't like to read. I mean, well, maybe, but... It's not that necessarily we don't like to read things, but we don't want to read through pages of stuff that we probably already know. Companies, they can save a lot of money. They just need to quit wasting all their paper on instructions. And here's what the effective instructions look like for a man. You would uh, turn the box over of your thing that you're putting together. And on the back of the box, there will be three pictures. No words, just three pictures. Uh, step one, step two, and step three. And no more than three because uh, men aren't going to read any more than three anyway. 
if it takes more than three steps to put it together, they're not going to read the three steps anyway. So if you got five steps, you just pick the three most important ones and put it on the back of that box with pictures. And that that's how men can follow the instructions. How many of you men um, look things up on YouTube? You use YouTube to work on your truck or your tractor. You know, uh, if, if you've got, you got something you don't exactly know how to replace, you go to your uh, computer or your phone and you look it up, you type in something like 96 RAM, 5.9 liter map sensor, and then you rapidly scan for a video that's less than three minutes. <laughs> you don't watch the 10 minute ones or the 15 minute ones. Um, you don't want words, you don't care about the words, you just want the picture. You don't care about the size of wrench they use, you don't, even, you don't want to hear anybody talking. You just, in that three-minute video, you fast-forward to the three seconds that you need to see, and then you go back to work. Men need short, simple steps. Now, if you're from my church, you might be thinking, man, why is he always preaching to men? It's because women, without even knowing it, you're probably preaching the other half of my sermon for me in your head. <laughs> My mama, she'll tell me about something that she heard in one of my sermons, and I don't even remember saying it. And uh, usually it's good what she's telling me about. You know, it's, it's good stuff, and so I know that I didn't say I would have remembered it if, if I would have said it. And the only thing I can figure is that in her mind, she is adding in the good stuff while I'm preaching. <laughs> and at first I worry about that. Uh, but then I think, you know, praise the Lord because the Holy Spirit is doing that and, and you know, grace and mercy on me because I don't have to preach that good of a sermon, evidently. <laughs> All that being said, here's some steps, just three of them. Three hardcore simple steps to living the sweet life. Step number one to living the sweet life is accepting Jesus. Now, men, if you're taking notes, don't write that down. We'll do you good. Just draw a cross with a green circle around it. <laughs> accept Jesus. You have got to accept Jesus if you want to live the true sweet life. Remember the first verse that Brother Leonard read to us? Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners and, and join in with mockers. Listen, you can follow the wicked. You can take advice from the mockers and get nowhere. But if you follow Jesus and take his vice, advice, all oh, the joys of that sweet life. Here's what Jesus says about it. John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. There's the sweet life. The sweet life. To get it, you have to accept Jesus. Step number two. Living the sweet life is to delight in God's word. Delight in God's word. So, uh, men, if you're you're taking notes, which I know you're not, so if you're taking 
mental note, then you're going to draw a picture of the Bible, put a cross on the square so you know it's the Bible, not a regular book, and draw a green circle around it. Delight in God's Word. Now, I know I preached myself in a hole because uh, I said men don't read words, and now I'm telling them to read like 66 books put all into one. But this word is different. This word is life-changing and life-giving. The second verse that Leonard read for us today, Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, said to delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on it day and night. Delight on this word that God gives us. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4 says to take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Heart's desires. Oh, often we think that we know what our heart's desires are. Parents, you ever had your kid come up to you and say, say, uh, Dad, I need a new pocket knife. I, I need a new one. Uh, my, mine's not fancy enough. Or maybe they come up to you and say, say, hey, Mom, I need a new phone. And, and you look at your kid and you say, uh, what you need to do is to do your chores. And they would say, no, 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 no. Uh, no, 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 Mom, uh, listen to me. This new phone is sweet. And you're like, oh, no. You turn that head to you. Oh, no. Here's how it works. You listen to me, and your life gets to be sweet. Not Joe in the Old Testament. The guy who had to go through so much pain and struggle in his life. And at one point, he was like our kids that think they know what they need. And, and, he, and Job, he tells God, in Job chapter 13, verse 17, he, he tells God, listen closely to what I am about to say. Listen to me, God. And now, it's good to tell God to listen to you. Uh, let me say it a different way. It's good to ask God to listen to you. He's already listening anyway. He's going to hear you one way or the other. And it's good to want him to listen. But when we are directing God's attention to us because we know what we want, we know what our heart's desires are, then our heart's probably in the wrong place. Job does this. He, he says, listen closely to what I'm about to say. He's pleading his case. And he goes on for... Um, talking like this for about 20 more chapters of the book, and then God answers him. Job chapter 38, verse 2, God says, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant and arrogant words? He says, Brace yourself like a man, Job. Brace yourself, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Oh, we often think that we know. But let's just save ourselves some trouble and listen to God's word. And not just listen to it, but delight in it. Delight. 
delight in God's word. David wrote in the 119th Psalm, verse 103, How sweet your words taste to me, Lord. They are sweeter than honey. To fully live the sweet life, you need to delight in the Lord and his word. Step number three to live in the sweet life is bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. So in your mental notes, man, you can draw an orange because it just takes a circle and put a cross <laughs> in it because we want to bear Jesus fruit. And then draw a green circle around that. Bear fruit. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 says uh, that they are like trees planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit each season, their sleep, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Prosper. That's part of the sweet life. Prospering and growing this fruit each season. The fruit of the Spirit, by the way, keep coming up in my sermons. And I wonder, maybe the Lord's trying to do something. Maybe I need to work on these fruit myself. I don't know, but I, pre I preached about like three times in the last month. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those right there should give us plenty to work on. Bear fruit, and we've got nine of them right there out of that scripture. Step number one, by the way, let's review, accept Jesus. Step number two, delight in his word. And if you've done those two, then it's time to produce fruit. It's time to love, to be kind, gentle, and patient with others, showing some self-control. It's time to be joyful about the sweet life that you have, to live at peace, to express goodness, and to have faith in the one that gives you this fruit. Bear sweet fruit. Now the ultimate goal of these three steps is to do the Lord's will. And by the way, here's his will. His will is for you and your friends and family to be up in heaven with him someday. Now that means that we have got work to do. We have to tell everyone how sweet it is to trust in Jesus. And then we get to rejoice and be glad for our reward in heaven is great. Now let me say that again. Did you hear that, folks? That's a direct quote from Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad for our reward in heaven is great. So much greater than riding around on a golf cart. So much greater than anything that we know now in our lives. It is so sweet that I say the same thing that Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we'll serve the Lord in Colony, Kansas, if he wants us to. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, you haven't accepted him as your Lord, and I'm praying that today you will because that's where the sweet life starts. If you've accepted Jesus but you don't delight in his word, then I want to encourage you to do so. It will sweeten 
your life more than anything else. And don't forget that sweet people do sweet things. Bear the fruit of a sweet life. Join with me now in prayer. Father God, we are so grateful for this day right here in Colony. We are so grateful for every one of our family and friends here today. Lord, I pray that you will guide our hearts to a place where we understand how sweet it is to do your will. Lord, I thank you so much for the work here. And I thank you for the process of being saved. Lord, that we don't have to do everything possible to be saved. Lord, all we've got to do is to call on your name. Lord, we ask forgiveness. We repent of our sins. Lord, we are ready follow you, God. I thank you so much for what you've done for us on the cross. And Lord, now I pray that you would help us to, to live that sweet life, Lord, to delight in your word. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.